Master, don't you desire to leave the tower? It's been decades, my mentor. Hold up here in these chambers. Please, say something. I'm content, my apprentice. For so many years, I toiled away in the deeper libraries of the tower, delving the darkest secrets, and for many years more practiced those forbidden spells, finding new formulae, new connections between the worlds, between the worlds. <laughs> it's been a life well lived, and all the while, I thought all my preparations, all my study, all my discipline, boy. All so that when the day of adventure came, I could stride out from the tower, out to meet the beast head-on in magical combat. But the great irony of all that I have done is that it was not preparation for a life to be lived, but a life in itself. Study, transcription, revelation. These are who I am, my boy. And in the tower I will remain until my last breath. And after that moment, you know what to do. Take the amulet. Take the amulet, my boy, and destroy it. It is the only way to end the era of the RPG mainframe. Everybody, it's old Hanker and Burnall here, back at Runehammer, coming at ya with the RPG Mainframe Podcast. And holy moly, lordy, lordy, I feel forty because this is episode forty of the Runehammer Podcast. Forty stinking episodes—that's like probably more than thirty hours of stone cold gabbing about good old D&D, world's coolest hobby. I'm right here. Just trying to play a little bit more better than I used to. I bet you guys are doing the same thing. And today we are going to talk about a two-sided coin here. I think they're related. <laughs> First, we're going to talk about synergy and why synergy is such an essential component, both of game design as well as the sort of limbic draw that players often feel in our hobby and how you can use that as a dungeon master. And the second thing we're going to talk about, and I think there's like a nice sort of weatherman segue in here somewhere. I just haven't found it yet. But there's a segue that goes from synergy over to what I like to call the core fantasy. The core fantasy, as the title alludes, is really about exactly what is drawing us to this life. And seeing it out in the open, I think, can help us find more of what we're looking for, which is, after all, the goal of all endeavors in human life, right? It's not only to do a thing, but to get out of a thing all that you dream of, to, to get satisfaction with the doing of a thing. 
And I think that this can only be accomplished when you have a very clear sense of what it is you want. That way, you know that when you get it, you got it. Because getting it's good. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to... That was like the worst, cheesiest ending to an intro of all time. And I can speak largely on this topic. Okay, first of all, let's talk about synergy. Now, in the 90s, the word synergy really got dragged through the mud. It became a sort of a joke word that was in particular used by corporate, uh, you know, mud chewers or talk nothings, you know, talk a lots who don't really say anything. It became a buzzword in corporate culture for almost nothing. It became a vapor word. I think the intention was to use it as its definition implies, but I think it just became this sort of corny vapor word in corporate culture. And for this reason, it got made fun of. The word synergy really got vocab shamed in the 90s and early 2000s, and it became a joke word. Well, I'm here to say synergy is not a joke word. Synergistic concepts are fantastic concepts. It's just the word has been made a little bit silly. People think it's like a nonsense word now. It's not a nonsense word. Synergy means the confluence of two normally disparate components. Now, this confluence is essential in the understanding of how a lot of RPG mechanics and progression systems and luring systems and monster systems and even dice probability and the way it plays into the game, the way that all these things function, is often driven by an aesthetic of synergy. So when you look at synergy, it has sort of two pieces when it comes to our hobby. On the player side, synergy is a discovered wonder. It's, it's a, a labyrinth of rooms and tunnels. And the player who gets to enjoy the feeling of unexpected or long overdue synergy gets these moments where they do badass combos with their characters, right? A, a synergistic character combines the stats, the feats, the equipment, and the opportunity of the moment all into what can be super effective or, you know, like mega effective type actions. Now, these could be spells, they could be warrior attacks, whatever. But for the player, what they, they get is they get this delight in finally having the right weapon with the right feet and the right stat and the right opportunity to do it all in combination. And that would be a synergistic moment for a character. These moments are huge for players. They really, I think, almost live for these moments. And if you see chin scratching and book checking and pencil chewing in a player between their turn, this is often what they're mining for inside their brain. They're trying to find a synergistic way to do their next turn to get more effect out of their character for whatever the situation may be. Now, that effect even could be non-combat effect. But synergy for a character is a big part, I think, of why players play. They like to feel that sensation of synergy. Now, the aesthetic of synergistic play, especially from the player's point of view, is a big part of which system wounds up getting played by a particular group. Players who have a big appetite for finding and utilizing and even exploiting synergistic game design will love something like Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Pathfinder 2nd Edition not only has the most robust sort of systematic backing to its rule set. I mean, it's colossal. It also, in second edition, has a very sort of Lego approach as how as to how like uh, feats and abilities and everything sort of interlock. 
And what they've done is they've used their listing format to deliver this interlocking design. As a player, if you take delight in finding those interlocks, finding those little sort of, you can almost call them loopholes, then something like Pathfinder 2nd Edition is going to be fantastic for you. Now, if you're a player who wants to sit down and have a character in five minutes and discover a lot more of what's going to happen, rise and fall, and sort of let go a little more, uh, be less detailed, and be a little more focused on moving through content rather than the detail and precision of that content, if you're that player, then you're going to want less synergy. Synergy is actually going to seem like a nuisance. It's going to kind of feel like a video game design, like a MMO type design, like a World of Warcraft where synergy was the, you know, most of the game really. And these kind of players are going to want a simpler, cleaner game, maybe something like um, Homebrew 5e where it's super simplified, like index card RPG, or maybe even something, um, you know, down into the, the sort of more verbal kind of realm, which would be like... Um, you know, Tiny Dungeon or Fate, you know, these really sort of stripped down minimalistic games, they just get you moving through action and content and storylines and stuff like that. And so I think it's important to understand synergy because it gives you a way to look at player types without being pejorative about it or judgmental about it or poopy pants about it. Players just have different appetites for discovering synergistic design. Some people really want to get into the books and find the way that the circuits and the wires all hook together. And sometimes it can take a year or more, and then they start to get this deeply satisfying sat, uh, like feeling of having learned it. Like, I have mastered this. So now when I sit down to make a bard, I'm going to kill it. This bard is going to be badass. And they like that feeling, that feeling of prowess that feeling of skill. And so we don't have to hold them against hold it against them and and you know befuddle or uh, you know belittle them because of you know math finder and all this kind of stuff. You just see a player with a lot of appetite for synergy. And so why is this useful to even think about? First of all, gives you a productive way of looking at different player types. I think that's important. But second of all, to see synergy as a reward that players seek, I think can help you as a game master to offer progression options that are going to satisfy that itch and more importantly and honestly more difficultly to create encounters that utilize synergistic play. And this is basically saying there's kind of no way to do this, right? I have this tunnel and anytime a material object is in this tunnel, the walls slam shut in an instant with no roll and crush whatever is in there to liquid pulp. There's no saving throw. There's no... There's no release lever. There's no antics. Anytime a solid object is in this hallway, this thing snaps shut, kills whatever's there. You have to go through this hallway to get to the other side. What are you going to do? This approach with game mastering basically says this is a non-solvable puzzle. And this could be something you do with an enemy, or it could be something you do like what I just did with a trap or an uh, environmental feature, right? It is a non-solvable situation, but here is where players and their ability to create synergies can overcome the non-solvable because the combination of stats, feats, spells, magic items, teamwork can overcome a logically or seemingly impossible task. Your job as the game master is to see how much synergy and how much sort of maximizing and exploitation these players are good at, and then for every level they're better at their synergistic player constructs, you're going to get one level tougher in the lack of presented solutions in your challenges. Ooh, 
That's a big sentence. But that's what I took, what, 11 minutes to spit out. Seeing and understanding synergistic behavior in players is important to the game master because that means you need to reciprocate. That's another way of saying it. And the more you expect them to use synergy, the more you deny them any presented solutions. You give them seemingly impossible deadly feats, and they have these wonderful moments where they use these very unexpected combinations of abilities to overcome a seemingly impossible task. And that is a moment that a player dreams about sometimes for years for that moment to come. And this is the weatherman segue that I was looking for to the next topic, which is what I'm liking to call core fantasy. And I'd like to start not with the one I really want to talk about, but with the one I just mentioned, which is a player core fantasy. Now, I don't have hard data on this, but I would have to say I believe that a big part of the player core fantasy is the scenario I just described. It's not the beginning. It's quite a ways into an established game. There's a lot of drama and relationships. There's a lot of high-end magic items. There's a lot of magical abilities and feats and synergistic capability to overcome the impossible. And there's this moment as a player when the other players really need you. And against all odds, you come through. You rise above what the statistics made look impossible. You make the roll. You save lives. You're the hero of the moment. And you lean back in your chair and you're just like, damn. That's some badass D&D right there. Mm. I think that feeling is the core fantasy of players. It is that feeling of awesome, and it has many different folds and facets to it, a lot of different possible forms it can take. It doesn't have to be about combat. It doesn't have to be about role-playing. could be about... You know, mundane things or legendary things. It could be short-term or long-term. But I think that core fantasy is what drives a lot of players to get involved in a game in the first place. Now, why are we talking about core fantasy? Well, for a player, it feels pretty easy to wrap up, at least for me, in my own opinion. I think this is why being a player can be so fun. It's such a focused existence. But what was more interesting to me and something that I thought would be worth talking about to self-illuminate ourselves, right? To sort of, to look back on ourselves to say, what is it that I'm really wanting here so I can go get it? And that is why I want to talk about the core fantasy for game masters. So as the intro to this mainframe, to mainframe 40, uh, kind of implied, I want to put forth to you guys that... The core fantasy of being a dungeon master, being a game master, being deep in the RPG hobby, because let's face it, usually the, the GM is the one who's far deeper into the hobby than the player. The GM is living. They're researching. They're making things. They're prepping. They're writing. They're scratching it out. They're writing something better. They're drawing maps, right? And on and on. What's driving them? What is all this? And the crazy thing that I want to put forward that I started looking inward and saying to myself, that's not crazy. That's called the truth is that the core fantasy of being a game master is not playing D&D. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. The core fantasy of what this is, is not actual sessions of RPG play. I want to put forward that the core fantasy of being a game master is this fantasy of being some kind of arcane researcher. 
some kind of strange book transcoder, someone who is deep in the shadows, copying, selecting, editing, rearranging, decoding, and looking for these sort of implied secrets hidden in lots of text and diagrams and arcane symbols, drawing of monsters and maps of faraway places. Now, obviously, without the table session, without players, the GM starts to lose their sense of what they're doing and why, right? So, of course, the actual game sessions are absolutely critical, just like the audience is critical to what the artist does. But what I would like to say is that game masters are actually more like artists than they are like musicians. To me, the musician really is the live performer. That's, for a lot of musicians, the the core fantasy is performing in front of people in actual, in real time. That is their sort of table session, so to speak. But the artist creates myriads of worlds and is sometimes not even there when the audience experiences them. The core fantasy for being the artist is very similar to the game master because it's a holding up. It's an internal search. It's a decoding. It's a refining. And then again, and again, and again, and working on a body of work. And this, to me, is the core fantasy of being a game master. Why is this interesting? It's interesting to me and useful as a concept because it gives me more enjoyment and more investment and more presence of mind, more mindfulness during all of the parts that aren't sessions. And anyone out there who is really doing this hobby, which is every stinking last one of you weirdos out there listening to this podcast, and God's bless you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 95% of the hobby is not the session. It's all this other stuff you do. And damn it, I am here to proclaim this is not only the core fantasy of who we want to be as individuals, it's freaking awesome and you should revel in it. Revel in the time of researching, preparing, transcoding, transcripting, decoding, refining, simplifying, and delivering RPG mechanics, content, drawings, maps, monsters, everything. What if your content doesn't reach players? What if the players keep canceling and time is stretching out and you just keep preparing all these sessions that never happen? I'm here to say I think that is a core part of who we are as game masters and it should be reveled in rather than shrugged and like, dang, I can never get players. Of course you want them, but revel in your time. Keep working on the art form. Remember the intro to the podcast today. The old wizard in his tower who's been preparing for years to go fight the dragon and he's now in his old age and he realizes preparing to leave was never what I was doing. I was doing what I wanted to be doing this whole time. Being here with my books, finding secrets, discovering legends, separating them from the lies, condensing them, rewriting them, re-illustrating them. And I think that this concept is useful to us because I do see a sort of a, a hidden sarcasm in many uh, sort of GM tweets and Facebook posts and stuff like that. And that hidden sarcasm is I have no players and, you know, the session keeps getting canceled. And like, what am I doing with my life? I want to say you're being awesome. That's what you're doing. You're discovering all the secrets hidden in the forbidden books. 
And part of this is also what can make theater the mind a very fun version of our hobby is that it keeps it in that, that table full of wizards looking at their books. It keeps you sort of in that place. This is, I think, why sometimes like a, a zero session or a pre-campaign session where everybody's making characters and talking about synergy, talking about spells, talking about making a group that's going to be ultra effective. So we're going to mix the classes, doing all this stuff. Look at this page over here. Hey, I found this. You should use a, you know, a, a glaive instead of a pole arm. And okay, yeah, that's going to work. And then I bet here you can take some of my gold. Let's, you know, get the tank with some more armor. I don't really need the gold, right? That's why that can all be fun because you're you're like a little cabal of wizards hiding away in the in the tower, researching rather than the actual play session. And I think that this is a fun thing to think about for episode 40 because obviously 40 to me seems very, you know, like a birthday episode. And so I think seeing synergy and then also seeing the core fantasy of what it is that we really love about ourselves and want to be and want to do, I think it's a great time to step back and smile and pat ourselves on the back for that. Enjoy that part. Because I would argue it's actually why you got into this in the first place. Because you like doing those kinds of things. Game masters who dislike that part of the hobby get cooked really, really quickly and will not have, I don't think, a lot of fun. I think they'll get burned out from this sort of unwanted non-session portion. And I think this is a lot of what separates the player from the game master, right? The player knows outwardly, hey, I'm good with just playing. The other part isn't my core fantasy. My core fantasy is synergistic action. For the game master, the core fantasy is arcane delving, transcoding, transcription. So own it. The point of talking about this for so many minutes is to rally you to own that hobby and that core fantasy. Enjoy it. Deliver one-liners for your next NPC while you're commuting in your car. Turn off your damn stereo. Be that ridiculous mega dork that often, if you guys are like me, doesn't show up at the table sometimes. I have all these grand plans of crazy dramatic lines I'm going to say with my NPCs, and then I kind of get a little nervous on the spot, and I kind of, you know, make light of things, and I don't deliver it nearly as good as I did in the car. Does that make it a failed version of what I did in the car? No. My rattling off NPC dialogue and ideas for mechanics while I'm commuting is a core part of our hobby. So just enjoy it and do it with pride. And most of all, try to find a convenient way to capture your work. The most common advice here is to always carry a notebook with you. But when it's safe and you have time and opportunity, you take the thoughts of the day, you keep them in your notebook or in your Trello or your Google Doc or whatever, and that way you have a record that is always moving you forward as a game master, as an arcane delver. The Faber Mortiferum, the deadly architect, that is you. Not necessarily the party host, not necessarily the social beacon, but the Faber Mortiferum. That's what I see as the core fantasy for game masters, so own it. You guys, this has been a very heady episode of Runehammer here. We've been talking about synergistic gameplay, and we've been talking about the core fantasy of Game Masters everywhere. So what do you think? Let me know in the comments. And I think episode 40 feels like a wrap, you guys. This is feeling pretty good. Going to be getting back into videos. And as many of you know, please think about going to the Immortal level. It's a great time to do it because we are gathering up players for the next big game arc. 
So if you join at the immortal level, you can get into the Discord server, and that's when all the crazy is happening. I'm getting out of here, you guys. Strength, honor, and delicious golden beer. I'll see you guys on the internet. Hamau. <laughs>